This is episode 102 of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of Two Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey, it's Anita here. Before we jump into today's episode, I'm excited to share that my Bump to Birth online program to help prepare you, your pelvic floor and core for birth will be available at the end of January. With this program, you'll have a better understanding of how to connect to your core and pelvic floor in pregnancy beyond traditional Kegels. Whether this is your first birth or fifth birth, this course will give you step-by-step guidance how to have a more comfortable and active pregnancy, along with key strategies to help prepare your mind, body, including your pelvic floor for labor, how to support you and your pelvic floor for pushing during birth, and how to prepare ahead of time for your first six weeks of recovery postpartum. If you want to get on the waitlist, which will give you early access plus an extra bonus, then grab my free guide, Three Common Misconceptions when preparing your pelvic floor for birth, and what to do instead. If you're pregnant or know someone who is, this free guide and my upcoming course is key for preparing for birth. Head to the show notes at twobirthandbeyond.com for this episode, or go to my website, holistichealthphysio.com, to sign up for the waitlist and get your free prenatal pelvic floor guide today. Welcome back to another episode of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. It's Anita here. And today I'll be doing a solo episode about a pelvic floor topic I get asked about a lot. So often I have pregnant clients ask or expecting people send DMs or emails wondering if and how they should do Kegels when they're pregnant to prepare for birth. In many prenatal classes, the pelvic floor just isn't talked about except maybe mentioned to do some Kegels or perineal massage. So I thought it'd be helpful to do a specific episode about three tips for preparing your pelvic floor for birth. And I can remember back to going to a number of prenatal classes when I was expecting my first. And I found this to be true um, as well, that the pelvic floor really wasn't mentioned very much or if it was, it was super brief. Um, So I can understand why people don't have kind of a real understanding of how to connect to these muscles, just because they're not really talked about at all, whether you're pregnant or not. Now to get a visual of the pelvic floor muscles I'll be talking about and written explanations, grab your free guide that goes over these three misconceptions when preparing your pelvic floor for birth and what to do instead which will be in the show notes for today's episode at twobirthingbeyond.com, or you can find it on my website at holistichealthphysio.com. So going back to this idea of Kegels. Now, a lot of people are told, or you may have read online, that you should be doing hundreds of Kegels a day when you're pregnant. And that goes into the first misconception we'll be talking about, and that is 
doing hundreds of Kegels a day and potentially doing them incorrectly or inefficiently. So Kegels or pelvic floor muscle training can be helpful in pregnancy and postpartum for a variety of reasons. It can help with your symptoms, uh, depending what your pelvic floor symptoms are. And it's true that actually having a strong pelvic floor going into birth could be beneficial. Now, I know sometimes people are told to not have a strong pelvic floor going into birth, but I want to clarify the difference between a strong pelvic floor and a tight or hypertonic or overactivated pelvic floor. So strong pelvic floor muscles, they're able to contract and relax. So with this being a podcast and trying to get a visual across to you, I find a good idea to think about is a bicep curl. So when you think, when you look at your arm and doing a bicep curl involves a curl or a contraction of the bicep, as well as many other muscles, so not just the bicep. And then also lengthening your arm involves lengthening the bicep. And so with the pelvic floor muscles, we also want them to be strong in different ranges and to be flexible. I like to talk to clients about the pelvic floor acting like a trampoline. Like we do want strength, but we also want give um, in those muscles. We don't just want to be holding them tight all the time. And so with tight or hypertonic pelvic floor muscles, this means that the muscles are tense or not as flexible or they have a hard time relaxing. Now in this episode, we're not going to go into all the different reasons why we might have tension or hypertonic or overactivated pelvic floor muscles. We have talked about it in other episodes, but I just wanted to get across the difference between kind of a strong pelvic floor versus tension in your pelvic floor. Um, Now there is research that has looked at pelvic floor muscle training and birth complications because again there is or you may have been told that having a strong pelvic floor is a is a bad thing going into birth or that it may cause complications but there has been uh, research looking at that and that it may not increase the risk of interventions like forceps or vacuum or tearing or episiotomy in people giving birth for the first time. So this particular study didn't look at subsequent births. Um, It focused on looking at uh, people giving birth for the first time. There's also been a systematic review which looked at 12 different studies and found that pelvic floor muscle training may help to shorten the first and second stage of labor. And again, this was specifically for people giving birth for the first time. Now, it's not completely clear why pelvic floor muscle training in pregnancy could reduce um, the length of the first and second stage of labor, but pelvic floor muscle training in pregnancy can improve like muscle control and flexibility. So this could contribute to how the baby's head moves down and rotates within the pelvis during labor. Now, a side note is that it's important to understand that when it comes to tearing or episiotomies or interventions like forceps or vacuum or having a cesarean birth, there are a lot of factors involved in why these happen during birth. That it's not something we can say if you do A to prepare, then this guarantees B won't happen. And I think that's important to talk about because especially out on social media, you may be seeing things that if you do something during pregnancy that it guarantees something won't happen during birth or won't happen in your postpartum recovery. 
And this just isn't true. No one can predict how your pregnancy is going to go, how your birth is going to go, how your postpartum recovery is going to go. But there are things we can do to help prepare us for these different events. Now, what is important to understand with the pelvic floor muscle training is that it involves that ability, again, to contract the muscle and relax the muscles. So often with Kegels, when these muscles, our pelvic floor muscles themselves, aren't tested or someone isn't pressing on these muscles internally or the person isn't shown how to contract and relax these muscles, people think of just tightly squeezing the muscles around the bottom of your pelvis or around the vaginal opening. And you may also be squeezing your glutes, so your bum muscles or your inner thighs to try to help out the pelvic floor. And this isn't a conscious effort of doing this. This I see often in the clinic um, with people coming in for their first assessment and when we're checking how they're activating and contracting the pelvic floor, um, oftentimes initially other muscles are trying to help out the pelvic floor. The other side of it is that Sometimes instead of a squeeze and lift, that without, again, consciously thinking of it, our bodies may be actually bearing down or pushing outwards instead of getting that squeeze and lift and then lower of the pelvic floor. The other thing to think about with the pelvic floor is it being a part of our inner core canister team. So when we inhale, the diaphragm which is our deep breathing muscle that lives underneath the rib. When we inhale, it lowers and the pelvic floor also relaxes. And when we exhale, the diaphragm lifts and then the pelvic floor lifts as well. So as you can see, there can be a lot involved with pelvic floor muscle training. And really what I find I do with clients is really bring the pelvic floor into exercise, you know, involving the entire body because these muscles don't work in isolation, just like any other muscle in our body. So that is something to keep in mind too with training these muscles in pregnancy, that, that squeeze and lift, but also that relax and lengthen and to be sure to incorporate in lots of different exercise. And we've done a number of episodes about uh, exercise in pregnancy that we'll link in the show notes as well. Now, the other part of this misconception that I initially mentioned is it isn't necessary to do hundreds of Kegels a day. That is quite a lot. And when looking at the research, there is variation in the pelvic floor muscle training programming in these different studies. However, none of them included over 100 Kegels a day. Now, misconception number two is only focusing on squeezing or tightening your pelvic floor. And so this goes back to number one. Now that we've gone through understanding that the pelvic floor, like any other muscle in our body, contracts and relaxes and lengthens, this is important for us to be aware of during pregnancy and in preparation for birth. So we don't want to just be clenching or holding our pelvic floor tight all the time. Now, if you're leaking, you may have noticed that this actually doesn't help. That it makes sense that we think if we were to just hold our pelvic floor and tighten these muscles, that the thought behind it is then we should not be leaking. However, our pelvic floor, you can think of it, it ebbs and flows throughout the day depending on the task we're doing. So, for example, if you're picking up a piece of paper off the floor versus picking up a bag of groceries off the floor versus picking up a 50 pound weight off the floor. All of these are going to involve 
different muscle activation, not of just the pelvic floor, but your the strength in the entire body of lifting that object. So that's why it's key to note, like just tensing these muscles really doesn't make a lot of sense when we think about we don't do that with any other muscle in our body. So the other side is, is if you're clenching these muscles all the time, which isn't necessarily conscious. So there are different factors in why we may be clenching the pelvic floor, including stress. And this may contribute to tension in these muscles and doesn't allow them to be flexible when we need them to be. So for example, when you're coughing or sneezing or exercise, there can be an increase in pressure in the abdomen. We want the pelvic floor to be flexible and coordinate at the proper time when we cough or sneeze or with exercise. So just clenching them tight all the time, now you know, isn't necessarily the best strategy that will help uh, symptoms that you may be experiencing, but also in general, just how these muscles work for us. Now, some signs of possible pelvic floor tension can be pain with intercourse or penetration or pelvic exam, sometimes leaking urine, so what I was talking about with coughing, sneezing, or exercise, um, or urgency, having to rush to the bathroom. Also, if you're having pelvic girdle pain, so hip pain, SI pain, tailbone pain, back pain, that pelvic floor tension may be a factor in these different symptoms you're experiencing. Now, seeing a pelvic health physio can help you learn more specifically of how your pelvic floor is functioning, um, as well as how it's working with the rest of your body. Now, even without pelvic floor tension, I find it's helpful to learn to connect with relaxing or lengthening the pelvic floor in preparation for labor. Because when you're in labor, we know it can be helpful to relax muscle tension in general throughout our body. It helps us cope with labor and can potentially help with labor progress. So learning to relax your pelvic floor ahead of time could actually help your labor experience. So a common visual and cue that I use with my clients and that I used myself um, to be able to relax and lengthen the pelvic floor is this idea of when you inhale, how I mentioned before, the diaphragm lowers when we inhale. And if you picture a flower blooming, so picture a flower blooming out of the vaginal opening, and then as you exhale, think of keeping it open. And this is not about pushing or bearing down. It's just about keeping that flower open, which you may not feel a lot of feedback happening with this. It's more of that idea of staying relaxed and open as you're exhaling. Now, where this can be helpful as well is even during the pushing phase in birth. And I've had clients tell me that they've used this visual to help picture the pelvic floor staying open to help the pelvis stay open and that relaxation in that area and even with an epidural. So it's something to consider that if you haven't learned any breathing techniques or none have connected with you, that this could be a great one for you in pregnancy to practice in preparation for birth. Now, misconception number three is only using relaxation breathing or the flower bloom breath or maybe you've called it birth breathing for labor in labor. Because the thing is, you need to practice while you're pregnant if you do want to use it in birth. Now, not to say that you can't use it in labor or birth if you've never practiced it, but you may have a harder time connecting to it if you're just waiting to that specific time to use it. 
And again, I've had a lot of prenatal physio clients say that it was helpful in birth because they practiced it so often in pregnancy. And different ways you could practice it is when you're going to the washroom. So when we're sitting on the toilet, our pelvic floor has to relax to let out pee or stool. So that can be a great time to practice that. And especially when you're having bowel movements, if you're experiencing constipation, doing that flower bloom breath, that relaxation can actually be quite helpful for constipation. Um, But also again, a great time just to practice in preparation for birth, that relaxation. And also prenatal yoga postures or practicing different labor positions, potentially with a birth ball at home. Again, practicing the flower bloom breath. So to wrap it up, remember you don't need to do hundreds of Kegels a day. And it's helpful to understand and connect to your pelvic floor muscles before giving birth. And to remember that it's not just about squeezing or tightening the pelvic floor. A gentle squeeze and lift, but also relaxing these muscles is really important. Plus practicing how to relax and lengthen the pelvic floor before labor. Now, seeing a pelvic health physio can, again, help you understand how your muscles are working together with the rest of your core and body and address any symptoms that you may be experiencing in pregnancy. Now, if you want to dive deeper into learning more about connecting to your pelvic floor and core in pregnancy, strategies to prepare your mind and body, including your pelvic floor for labor, support for you and your pelvic floor during pushing, plus prepare ahead of time for your postpartum recovery. I'm very excited that my online course, the Bump to Birth program, will be available at the end of January 2020, which goes more in depth on these topics. I'd love for you to join me and many other expecting mums in the Bump to Birth community. So grab your free prenatal pelvic floor guide that I mentioned previously, which is in the show notes, and you'll get on the waitlist for the program as well as receive early access to the course plus a special bonus. Now, if you're listening to this episode after January 2020, then the course will still be open at that time. And so you can head to my website, holistichealthphysio.com to find out more information about accessing the program. Now, in the next Two Birth and Beyond episode, I'll be sharing about postpartum healing, specifically how our bodies heal from a tear or episiotomy and why it's important to understand the stages of healing our muscles go through, including rehab and retraining the pelvic floor and body before jumping back into a tense or impact exercise postpartum. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 